Hi, I'm Brad Rex, the former vice president for Disney's Epcot theme park, and you're listening to the Coaster Challenge podcast. Hi there, I'm Lee Cockrell. I'm the former executive vice president of Walt Disney World, and Mickey Mouse was my boss. And you're listening to the Coaster Challenge podcast. Do you accept the Coaster Challenge? Yes, I accept the Coaster Challenge. Do you accept the Coaster Challenge? Coaster Challenge Podcast is here. It's time to face your fears. Get that theme park therapy and lend us both your Coaster ears. Challenge Podcast is here. Your fear can disappear. We know that theme park therapy can drive all your tears. Do you accept the Coaster Challenge? Yes, I accept the Coaster Challenge. Do you accept the Coaster Challenge? We accept because you know we're not average. You're listening to the Coaster Challenge Podcast. A journey where people become fearful to fearless, all from riding roller coasters. So please, secure your hats and glasses, and keep your hands and arms inside the podcast. It's time to accept the Coaster Challenge with your hosts, Andrew Locke. Hey everyone, this is Andrew, one of the producers of the Coaster Challenge podcast. Got a uh, very interesting guest today for a couple different reasons, as you'll see. So when people think of coaster manufacturers, various names commonly come to mind. Intamin, one of my personal favorites, of course, RMC, Bacoma, B&M, etc. There's another coaster manufacturer, however, who dominates when it comes to a specific type of coaster that we all enjoy all around the world. That's the Mountain Coaster. Coaster Challenge Podcast is proud to welcome Jacob Watabe, design engineer from Wigan Sports USA. Welcome, Jacob. Hello, thank you. Yeah, we're excited to have you. We, uh, you're our very first. We, we've had other manufacturers here on the show. Uh, actually, some of those big names I mentioned. Uh, we've had some interviews with some of those folks, but we've never had a actual coaster designer on the show. So this is really exciting. Cool. Yeah, I'm excited as well. Awesome, awesome. So, so speaking of that, so obviously we know your work, but. Um, I understand that you're also a coaster enthusiast, uh, like uh, like many uh, many of us here on the podcast, and of course yep. listeners. So, yeah, why don't you tell us about yourself and uh, you know your experience working within the industry and your love of coasters? Sure. Yeah. Uh, like you said, I'm an enthusiast, so that's kind of where it all started. When I was in in middle school, I grew up in um, in Cincinnati, Ohio. I did one of those career tests, and it said uh, if you like roller coasters, you should go into mechanical engineering because you might oh, be able yeah. to design coasters. So, <laughs> so that's, that's really what got me into it. Um, studied uh, mechanical engineering through an undergrad. Um, and while I was doing that, I spent a summer working at the Cedar Point. So that was, that was really my first job working in the industry. I was a ride operator on Corkscrew. Oh, nice. um, that, that was a ton of fun. Loved that job. Um, that fall, I decided, you know, I was looking for jobs, looking for what I was going to do after college. I decided I wanted to work in the amusement industry. I'm like, this is why I got into it. I should probably, you know, try and find a job in the industry. Uh, bought a ticket out to IAPA. Uh, went out to IAPA with a friend, talked to a bunch of different manufacturers. Um, and eventually, Weekend had called me back. And they said they needed another engineer in their office. Um, we're out here in Stevensville, Montana. Uh, and I'm like, Cool. I would love to design coasters, uh, alpine coasters, roller coasters, whatever it is. I, you know, I'm sure I'd love that. 
Uh, so I, I signed on with them and I've been working for Weekend since August. So fairly new to Weekend. Um, graduated college fairly recently, but but uh, I've had some really cool experiences already working for the company. Um, gotten to work on, help manage a lot of our current installation projects, a couple of which have opened, uh, like Skyland Ranch out in Tennessee, uh, yeah. opened fairly recently. Uh, we just opened one down in, in Texas, in New Braunfels, well, it's near New Braunfels, Texas. Oh, yeah. Just kind of by San Antonio. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There was an Amusement Today article about that actually just recently. Uh, the first Alpine coaster in Texas. So, so we're excited about that one. Uh, and then we've got a couple projects coming up here in the future. I guess by the time this episode releases, some of them will be open. Uh, but I've been able to do some design work and, and some really cool things with that. So, yeah. I, yeah. Wow. Okay. That's awesome. Well, thanks for that intro. That's, that was a great summary and uh, several things to unpack there. So first of all, sure. just being an engineer myself, I'm an optical engineer, but optical engineers, yeah. we, we do a lot. And, you know, certainly I, I went through my physics classes, mechanics classes, and, mm -hmm. and you know, we, we do meta, we kind of relate to, especially um, mechanical, but also uh, electrical too. Um, but uh, where'd yep. you go to school out of curiosity? I went to Brigham Young University in Provo, Utah. Oh, nice. Very nice. Very yeah. nice. And you mentioned Cincinnati. So Kings Island was your home park growing up? Yep. For a very long time. Yeah. Nice. So when's the last time you kind of spent a fair amount of time there? Uh, the last time I went to Kings Island was while I was working at Cedar Point, which was in 2021. Uh, okay. But yeah, I mean, I've lived in Utah since, well, I've lived in Utah since 2014. Um, and now I live in Montana, of course. I, oh, but, we're, we're, in, uh, we're in Montana. Uh, so the company's located in Stevensville. Uh, it's about 30 minutes south of Missoula. So it's in northwestern Montana. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Nice. Yeah, Missoula. River runs through it. Great movie. Yep. Beautiful yep. town. <laughs> I've never, never, Montana's one of the few states along with Wyoming and uh, North Dakota and South Dakota I've not been to, like those, that kind of corner of the country, so to speak. Um, but it looks beautiful from what I've seen in like movies and, and online and stuff. That's, do you like living there? Has it, has it been uh, kind of nice? compared to Ohio, like very different from Ohio and Utah, right? Yeah, I, actually fairly similar to Utah, kind of with the mountains around and a lot a lot to do outdoors. Like I said, oh, I moved sure. out here in August, so it's it's uh, been cold for most of the time that I've lived here. Oh, yeah. And it's just barely warming up again. So so we're starting to enjoy kind of the, the outdoors stuff. But it, even in the summer, you know, the, the evenings get cold and and it's a very temperate state, which I'm fine with. I'm personally more of a cold weather person having grown up in Ohio, but, sure, uh, sure. but it's not for everyone. So. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's pretty cool. Now, when you, um, when you were, uh, back in Ohio, you know, growing up and, you know, the street, you know, pre-college days, like you said, you know, a few years ago, a couple of years ago, when you're still in college, uh, you, yeah. um, went to Kings Island. So do you, were you part of the enthusiast community at Kings Island? Like, do you know, like local foosies and would hang out with them there by chance? Uh, I mean, this was mostly in like middle school, early high school. Uh, okay. So okay. I went to, I actually went to Mason High School, which is oh, yeah, five minutes yeah. down the road from Kings Island. Yeah. Right. So, right. so there were, uh, there were quite a few people that were, you know, to some level uh, enthusiast. Uh, just right. at school. So, so I had friends at school that would go, that I'd go to Kings Island with and have fun gotcha. with, but not really too involved with like any, anything like KA Central or anything like that. Okay. Yeah. The reason I was asking is um, 
I, I live in Orlando. I've never lived in Ohio, but I've spent a lot of time in Ohio. And uh, just uh, through just friendships I've made to myself, you know, on social media and then met people in real life and also connections to the podcast, um, got quite a few friends that are uh, local Kings Island enthusiasts. Uh, in fact, um, one of our other of the show, Kim Dykes, she she lives in um, uh, Louisville, but she basically considers Kings Island one of her home parks, along with, of course, Kentucky Kingdom. And she's in at Kings Island with these same group of people all the time. So like when I go to Kings Island, it's 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 amazing because it's a great I think it's a great boozy park. One of my favorite yeah. parks in Cedar First Chain. And I just there's so many friends that I get to hang out with while I'm there. And so I was just curious if you maybe maybe do the same people, but no worries. Uh, yeah, no, that's yeah. yeah, that's that's yeah, all good stuff, all good stuff. Um, now you, I think if I remember, I might be getting my wires crossed, but you're talking about the uh, mountain coaster that just went in Texas, and that's the first one in Texas, right? Yeah. Are you involved? Do you get involved at all with like the marketing side, or do you like do you know about when you guys work with like production companies to like create? promo materials and commercials and things like that is that something you get involved with at weekend uh as far as like marketing for the individual rights themselves not too much uh occasionally okay. you know you know some customers will ask us to do something or another for them but but for the most part that's just all on the customer to do we obviously market the ride itself we're trying to sell more rides across the country so right right yeah, yeah. that's true it'd be more on the on the on the operator and the customer and yeah the reason why i bring up is because a couple of good friends of mine, they run their own production company and they they very, very successful. They work with all the major manufacturers. And I know mm-hmm. that they, they the Skyland Ranch one, they they did some work with, um, I think it was late last year. And then okay. I think maybe in the Texas one, but yeah, n- neither here nor there. Actually, I, see, I need to have them on the podcast. They're just so busy because they travel so much given the work they do. It's hard to nail yeah. them down. But anyways, anyways, but yeah, I'm looking forward to, I'll probably hit the New Brunswick's one next year. I'm planning on doing a road trip out west to Texas and beyond. But um, as I was cool. saying before we started, I'm looking forward to riding the Skyland Ranch one um, yeah. in a um, uh, couple weeks here because I'm going out there for a coaster crew event to Dollywood. So really looking Sweet. forward to that. Yeah. And I've ridden all of your coasters in that region. Um, okay. Yeah. I, yeah. I, the, uh, I, my favorite is the, was the Smoky Mountain Alpine coaster. Yep, it's a popular one. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I love it is because it uh, that's the one where you go through all the lift hills. It's like a long lift hill section and it's just a really long course afterwards. Yeah, that that's uh that's Rocky Top, right? Or oh no, Smoky Mountain's oh, got yeah. Smoky Mountain's got yeah, the, the multiple kind of like sections of the object. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, and then Rocky Top I did love as well. It's well. like my second favorite. Of course, it's yeah. really close to Dollywood, which is awesome. They get a lot of business, I'm sure, from Dollywood. Great location. Um yeah. But that one is where you have lift hill, nice section, lift hill, nice section, lift hill. So it's spread out. It's kind of broken up, and, but it's also a really long mountain coaster. They're both really long. And, yeah. Um, yeah. And I rode, I think, I think I rode Rocky Top at night. I've only ridden it once, but I rode Smoky yeah. Mountain during the day. I need to ride Smoky Mountain at night because I love your coasters at night. Um, yeah. yeah. There's so much fun. And you guys do the lighting packages, by the way? No, we do not. Uh, those okay, those are all done separately. Yep. Nice. Okay. Well, uh, so do you contract that out, or is it the customer that does that? The customer typically. We do do lighting pack- packages for our dry slide line, but uh, not for the coasters, oh, as far okay. as I'm aware. Yeah. Not for the coasters. Okay. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. All right. Well, very good. Well, thanks for again going through that overview. Um, as I was telling you before we started uh, recording here, we kind of have 
two halves to the interview with these types of interviews. First half is really about you personally, uh, especially mm-hmm. as a short coaster enthusiast. And the second half is going to talk a little bit about uh, uh, about weekend, you know, some more in, in a little more formally than what we've done so far. Uh, and just kind of share with our listeners, because, uh, you know, a lot of our listeners, like myself, have ridden mountain coasters, but yeah, people don't know a lot about them and the history of the company and all that. So it'd be interesting to kind of get into some of that, but we'll get there. Yeah. So before that, though, uh, just a quick kind of walk down memory lane. Mm-hmm. So what was the first coaster that you remember riding? So uh, the first coaster that I rode probably um, you know, I've always I've grown up going to theme parks. It's probably the Matterhorn at Disneyland. Uh, but I don't remember that distinctly. It's like, oh, this is a roller coaster. I'm riding it. The first one that I said, like, oh, this is, you know, really felt like a roller coaster. Roller coaster would have been at the time. It was called Beastie at Kings Island. Uh, but it's oh, yeah. currently what Woodstock yeah. Express or something like that. Yeah. Woodstock Express. Yeah. Beastie yep. is a very common first coaster answer to this question what's funny though yep. is you mentioned matterhorn the last mm-hmm. interview that i did the answer was matterhorn okay was yeah a, actually a, re- a really good friend of mine that we uh, interviewed and he um he's from phoenix so they okay. used to go out to disneyland all the time but yeah yeah interesting yeah gotcha gotcha so how many how many credits do you have like do you, do you keep track of your credits or i do keep track yeah yeah. Yeah. It's somewhere around, I'm trying to sort out my count right now with like the mountain coasters and what to count, what not to count, that kind of thing. It's somewhere around 190. So okay. creeping up on 200, but not quite there yet. Yep. Awesome. Awesome. Do you have plans for what the 200 is going to be? Have you mapped that out or like a big milestone or? Not, not yet. Um, I've got a couple coaster trips in mind for this year, but haven't decided on which one's going to be next because the next one probably will hit 200 for me. So yeah. Very nice. Yeah. I've, I've been having fun with milestones, making them really special. My, my last milestone was my 500th, which was Taryn. Oh, wow. That's impressive. And I guess, yeah. I'm a big intimate guy and, and yeah, it, it actually became my number one in my, and not that visit, but my next visit when I finally got a night ride on it. Uh, last yeah. December. It was amazing. Just amazing. But yep. yeah. Anyways. Yeah. Well, I hope your 200th is a great one and hope you get it soon. Sounds like you'll be getting it here in a few months. So awesome. Yeah. Hope so. Yep. Yeah. So of your almost 200th coasters, which would you say is the one that really intimidated you the most? That gave you the most anxiety and fear before you wrote it? Yeah. I mean, we're going to be going back to Kings Island for this one, right? That's what I grew sure. up with. You know, I, just walking down the midway, I was happy to ride like racer and, and beast and all these rides, but vortex with all the loops right there was one that really intimidating, intimidated me for a very long time. Um, you know, okay. just being a ride that goes upside down. And also it's, a, it, it was just a really tall ride. I guess it's gone now, unfortunately, but yeah. Yeah. A lot of those arrow mega loopers are, are going the way of the dodo, unfortunately, but uh, with our out yeah. of business, it's hard to keep them maintained. Um, even though SNF, still tries to sell parts for them it's, it's not the same but um so is it the height or the inversions that were really intimidating you i i think it was more the inversions because like i said i i'd ridden beast i'd been fine with beast for a while and sure. and vortex just sitting right there it was something that i didn't really want to touch just because of the inversions for for a very long time so yeah yeah makes sense mm-hmm. yeah i mean you and i have some parallels here um the the coaster that scared me the most that where I basically became a Susie more or less afterwards and, and really 
cracked my fear was uh, another Arrow Mega Looper, but uh, a little mm-hmm. further to the east was Great American Scream Machine, at Great Adventure. Oh yeah, yeah. And my my friends kind of kind of dragged me, but coaxed me onto it, and I'm so glad that they did. So yeah, friends often can help us in life, kind of. Kind of, you know, they weren't teasing me. They were just like, Andrew, you'll love it. Come on. They were being very positively encouraging me. You know, encouraging me. I'm glad they did. But so, yeah. okay. So Vortex. So I've written Vortex. Uh, my mm-hmm. first couple visits to Kings Island, it was still open. Uh, and I totally get it. There's, you know, there was quite a, I think, what was it? Five inversions or something like that, I think. Yeah, six, I believe. Yeah. Six. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay. I don't remember it well. Yeah. So talk to me about, you know, when you got off the coaster you know how did you feel after you wrote it i mean it was a really intense ride i remember the first time my friends got me on it we hit the brake run and i'm like holy cow that was way too intense for me uh but at the same time it kind of had the thought in my head of like the going upside down part wasn't necessarily as scary as i thought it would be uh but yeah i, I do remember you know that that ride pulled a lot of g's so oh yeah it'll leave you out of breath by the end of it for sure Oh, yeah, yeah. And like you, once I went through my first loop, my first inversion was a loop because you go right into, you went right into yeah. it on Screen Machine, I think Vortex too. Uh, I was like, oh, oh, this isn't scary. I like this. Oh, there's more of this on this ride. This is awesome. Like it was all happening yeah. in real time. So, but I mean, were you feeling, I realized it was intense, but but you enjoyed the loop. So so, so the things you were scared of, you enjoyed. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay, got it, got it. Mm-hmm. So, um how did writing Vortex facing your fears and, and actually writing it not, you know, you know, chickening out or whatnot. So by writing yeah. and, and actually enjoying what you feared, how did that change? How did that impact your life? Uh, well, I think it, it opened a lot of doors for me as an enthusiast. I think I, I kind of came in more from the video game side. I play roller coaster tycoon three with my friends and then, you know, go to Kings Island. I still didn't want to ride the upside down rides, but once I finally did, it's like, Oh, you know, that, that wasn't too bad. And, and now I'm, I'm pushing past this. I, I'm getting to the point where I can ride any ride that I'm imagining up in my head or on roller coaster tycoon or those kinds of things. Right. So it, it fear turned into excitement and anticipation for you. Yeah. Got it. That's really cool. That's great. Mm-hmm. Now, I think there's obviously a, a obvious answer to this question, low hanging fruit, you know, because now you work in the industry, but yeah, you know, and again, if it's your job, it totally makes sense. But if there's anything else you'd like to share, but how sure. have coasters and parks had a significant positive impact on you kind of going beyond facing your fears, like just them being in your life. Yeah. What are the positive impacts for you? Yeah. I mean, you said, you know, it's the low hanging fruit. Obviously this is what got me into this career, right. As an engineer. Yeah. Uh, so that, that's been big. Uh, the social aspect of the whole coaster enthusiast community has been fun too. I used to build model roller coasters and I was active on like SS coasters and those forums. Um, and then I used to be on theme park review on those forums for a little bit and just meeting different people on the internet. Currently I'm part of the buzzed bars coaster club um, oh, yeah. on their discord. Yeah. And I, I hang out with those guys. Um, yeah, I've, I've made a lot of good friends riding coasters. I've spent a lot of, I've had a lot of good times with existing friends, you know, just going to theme parks and hanging out there and that kind of thing. And and that's been, that's been really big for me, I think. Nice. Yeah, the social aspects of coasters and parks are very commonly brought up with this question. Certainly, 
while I technically have never gone through one of these interviews, I've just done them. I, you know, I've never been interviewed on the podcast for the most part. I was introduced, you know, along with our, the other producer at the time when we first started the show. But if I yeah. were interviewed, these same questions that the social aspects would be a big part of my answer. Absolutely. So I can relate. So you mentioned buzz bar. So, um, so yeah. before I, before I ask this kind of next question, are, are you over 21? I am. Yeah. Okay. So are you part of buzz bars? Do you like kind of the, the, the drinking and coastering kind of thing, or is it not related? It's not actually related. I, I found the drunk writers part podcast actually before they, started buzz bars just because you know they had some really cool guests on that i wanted to listen to and i i liked the i liked the environment of it of you know we're not taking ourselves too seriously but but we're just having fun out here as a coaster club but we're also a bunch of enthusiasts we love writing coasters and talking about coasters and traveling those kinds of things nice yeah i i'm not part of buzz bars because i'm already part of two other clubs but i have a number of friends especially here in orlando um that are big into buzz bars uh, the probably one okay. that you know of well is um austin rozanic who he's amusement insider i bet you've met him probably okay. uh, i i've so ran into him that. but actually not at a buzz bars event but yeah okay yeah he's yeah. a great guy i've known him for years he's, he's actually he was on the season one of this podcast he and i oh, cool. opened to velocity coaster in his, his interview because velocity coaster was just opening when when that happened but yeah he's a great guy uh, but yeah, so bus bars I've heard is good, really good. But uh, I'm part of uh, Ace and Coaster Crew. Um, yeah. yeah. In terms of getting exposed to, you know, other clubs or you know, you're trying to like other events and things like that. Like, um, like I don't think Buzz Bars too, does too much internationally. It's more like just here in the U.S., right? Yeah, they've done one. Uh, they call them stumbles. Their events. They've done one yeah. stumble in Poland. Uh, oh. But other than that, it's it's mostly just the U.S. Yeah. Yeah, I remember I, I did hear about that one. Yeah, so mm-hmm. I mean, if you're looking to branch out, uh, and because I know you like kind of the laid back, not taking themselves too seriously aspect of buzz bars, which I totally get. I encourage you yeah. to check out Coaster Crew. Uh, yeah, yeah, Coaster Crew's uh, run and owned by a good friend of mine, Tim Holleran, who interviewed him in the second season of the podcast, and he's a great cool. guy. He lives in Orlando, and uh, he does he runs great events, and he and he doesn't. It's just about having fun. Yes. Yeah. You know, like uh, we, it's the only club that I've seen do this at Hollywood Nights. Uh, yeah. I've been out, I'm going again this year, I've been there twice. Um, he mm-hmm. makes sure that all of the coaster crew people that are there, that they gather over by the picnic area, like during one of the meals and get a, do a group, group photo together and yeah. ride together. Like I said, the Dollywood event that I'm going to go to, where I'm going to get to ride your Skyland Ranch coaster, uh, that's yeah. a coaster crew event. I did it last year. It's so much fun. But it, cool. it, it's a great club, and they do international trips. I'm actually doing an international trip with them this year to uh, uh, Scandinavia. Yeah. So. Oh, nice. So, yeah, nice. I encourage you. Yeah, yeah. They do international trips every every couple of years. So yeah, check them out if you're if you're ever looking to expand. But anyways, but uh, yeah, I'll least, check them out. At least, yeah, for sure, for sure. So next few questions are kind of continuing kind of the, the coaster journey and just your personal loves of love of coasters and and whatnot. This one's always a fun one. So what would you sure. say has been your craziest moment on a coaster? Now, it could be work-related, maybe, or, you know, whatever it may be uh, that you can share, at least, publicly. What would you say is yeah. your craziest moment? Yeah. Uh, I mean, some crazy things happened at Cedar Point. I'm not sure how much I should talk about there. But sure. uh, on the employee ride nights, they they uh, they run the rides with all the stops pulled out. It's it's a lot of fun being able to to have those kind of 
the the best version of the Cedar Point roller coasters is what I'll say. You, know, you get to ride Steel Vengeance, you know, four or five times in a row, or those kinds of things. Things that you don't normally get to do, you know, just visiting the right. park. I I'd say those are some of my craziest experiences. I haven't had anything crazy as far as like I never ended up getting a rollback on Top of Dragster, unfortunately, or oh. um, I've never been evac'd from a ride. I've performed an evac, but I have I haven't myself been <laughs> evacuated from a ride or anything like that. Most mostly uh you know, smooth, smooth running as far as riding roller coasters. But yeah, those employee ride nights at Cedar Point were something else. So that's a real good that's time. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So I'm assuming like Steel Vengeance runs trimless, right? Unfortunately, no. Steel Vengeance doesn't run trimless, but but they do run it, you know, max capacity and they're, they're doing it at night. So the, the ride's already warmed up and everything. Um, they can't turn off the trims on that ride as far as I'm aware. Raptor did run okay. trimless though. And that was really cool. Okay. So, so I know that uh, B&M, their launch coasters, and granted, they don't have many. And, well, Hulk is one, but I, I mean, they're LSM launch coasters. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know Intamin, my favorite manufacturer, <laughs> their LSM coasters, uh, yeah. they can operate in what's called boost mode. Mm-hmm. So I, I believe that Maverick probably has that, although it's one of the you know, earlier of the of the Blitz coasters. I, I can imagine, though, it probably can't be used because how intense Maverick is. So I'm guessing that like you didn't experience Maverick in, in like a boost mode, right? You know, not that I'm aware, but it was running really, really fast on a play ride night. So I wouldn't be surprised if they either turned the trims off the air, airtime hill or, or turned the launch up a little bit. That, that second half especially was flying through that ride, but I never really got to work out much outside of Corkscrew. So I don't know if that's something they would be able to do right. or be allowed to do. But I wouldn't be surprised if it was something that was happening that night. So, yeah, that's pretty cool. I mean, I get it. Not quite the same thing, but I've never. Yeah. Well, I, I always mistakenly say this. I actually have worked for the parks. Very first job when I was like 14 to 16 years old, I worked at a very small uh, amusement park called Fantasy Island. It's almost like an outdoor FEC. Uh, and okay. All it had grocery wise was a dragon wagon. And I worked okay. in uh, like the cotton candy, lemonade, like food stands for those three summers. So that, but other than that, I've not worked in the industry. Um, gotcha. Yeah. But I have, you know, I'm blessed with some awesome friends and I have cast member friends, for example, at Disney here in Florida. And again, nothing coaster related, but uh, I've been yeah. to several cast member events. Like I got to ride Tron cast member previews. Just got to cool. see a, uh, yeah, a um, happily ever after preview for, for its return. Uh, that was cast member mm-hmm. preview a couple weeks ago. That was fun. But yeah, I mean, I can imagine like at a place like Cedar Point, like all coaster focused, like for a coaster enthusiast, how awesome that would be for an employee ride night. That's pretty cool. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. All right. So that's a good favorite, good craziest moment. So what about, uh, what is your favorite coaster? My favorite coaster recently got updated on a trip I took out uh, to Germany for work, but I, I uh, convinced them to let me take an extra day. Um, went out to Fantasia Land and, and oh. rode Fly and just fell in love with that ride. Oh my gosh, I'm so happy. So yeah, because <laughs> you are the first. Well, well, actually, well, yeah, no, you're you're the first one from the U.S. We we okay. We did an interview here for season three um, with actually with a friend of mine who's based in in Switzerland. Mm-hmm. And he um, he goes to Fantasylandia, especially Europa Park, all the time. And uh, his number one is 
right to happiness and then uh, fly okay. and, and Taryn are right up there. But yeah, yeah but anyway, you're, you're the first yeah, you, like U.S. guy because I, I travel a lot, but not a lot yeah. of my friends get outside the country. So that's first of all, that's really awesome. Again, I know Weekend's based in the U.S. or based in Germany, excuse me. Yeah. And so that's cool. You got to go out there for a work trip. And that's so cool because that's again, I could so much relate here because with the work travels I've done overseas, I yeah. flexed like nobody's business um weekends and taking time off and to get yeah. international credits i've got every disney park i've been to every disney park in my oh, world wow. i've been all three hour 40s i i've been on formula rosa i mean i, I have i'm cool. very fortunate i don't take my life for granted i i may, i believe in I, I live life to the fullest i take i do whatever i can i take it by the reins but anyway oh, so that's cool yeah. flex like that my encouragement to you so you're a younger guy is keep doing that. Like if you go get to go yeah. back to Germany, you know, go to go to Europa Park, uh, you know, hit other parks, mm-hmm. you know, Belgium, Netherlands, you know, just you know, wherever else maybe you'll travel to. But uh yeah, make make the most of it. Uh and oh, I yeah. can tell you that um for what it's worth, we have a number of younger listeners to this show and you're inspiring them right now because so many some that we've interviewed, some that are listeners are always asking, you know, because they know I've traveled a lot. Andrew, how what kind of job do you have? Like what should I go to college for? And you were talking about mechanical engineering and you know, yeah. how can I like design coasters? I want to like design. Co- so again, you're living the dream of so many, so many people out there, which, and you know, I'm sure you probably already yeah. know that. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm, I'm honored to be able to be in that position. I think it's, yeah, it's yeah. been really cool working this job and excited to see where it takes me. Awesome. Love the positivity. All right. So all right, we, we got to talk about Fantasia Land a little bit. We got to nerd sure. out Fantasia Land. So, because sure. <laughs> um, it is my favorite park in the world. It, it, it's incredible. Universal, yeah. Yeah. With Universal Orlando being right behind it. But yeah. uh, when did you go there? This was really recently in January or late January, early February, just right at the end of the month there. Oh, this so, year? Yeah, this year. Yeah. So you so, went to Vintertron? Yep. Mm hmm. It was wow. very cold. <laughs> okay, you did it. Well, it was cold, but you did it the right way because you got to yeah. get those night rides, right? Yeah, and no, I got a night ride on Terran. Yep. Good. And also on Fly? Uh, unfortunately, I did not get a night ride on Fly. It was fairly uh, crowded the day I was there, actually. It was a Sunday, so it was a weekend. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was, like I was telling you, I, I went there for the first time October last year, just normal operations, which was great. Because I got to ride River Quest, because I love rapids rides. It's a great rapids ride, but um, yeah. that's the one ride that's closed during Wintertrom. Um, but then I went and back. Chiapas was December. closed for me as well, unfortunately. Oh, Chiapas is closed in Jan- Oh, that's too bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Oh, if you like log flumes, that I'm obviously I'm sure you want to go back there anyway because you're know, favorite. Oh yeah. There now, but get on oh, Chiapas. Yeah. It's incredible. It's incredible. I've heard. Yeah. The, the drop, the backward section, everything is amazing. But um, so. Okay, so you got those night rides in. Okay, so how does how does Taryn rank for you? Uh, it's in the top twenty. Uh, the top twenty is kind of uh, the elite section of my rankings. I it's hard to rank within that twenty because they're all such great rides. Uh, it's it's just barely above Maverick, I believe. Oh, sure, that makes sense. Would be ahead of Maverick. Now, have you ridden Velocicoaster? Yeah. I have ridden Velocicoaster. That's my number three, I want to say. Okay, so it's it's up there. Yep. Okay, gotcha. I'm just mm-hmm. curious because, again, Intamin guys, I'm nerding out here. Uh, yeah. Velocicoaster was my number one for uh, a couple of years, but Taryn, 
the night ride on it she put it just above Blossomcoaster. so I'm, and again this is yeah. all opinions i'm just curious of to course kind of, of see, course you know how, <laughs> how things differ for you but yeah. fly fly is number three and then right okay is number four um so tell me what makes fly your number one why is it your number one uh i've always loved flying coasters uh i was one of the first years I was really going to Kings Island frequently was uh, 07 when Firehawk first opened. Uh, oh, yeah. And I, I loved that ride. And then, of course, you know, the Flying Dutchman, in my opinion, are kind of the lower tier of flying coasters, right? Once I got on um, once I got on Tatsu at Magic Mountain, I'm like, oh, this is really cool. Like, I'd already liked Firehawk. I was just blown away by Tatsu. Uh, and then, you know, being on the forums and everything I'd seen fly under construction. I'm like, this thing's going to be incredible. I have to get on this ride as soon as I get a chance. So, I mean, in a sense, it was a dream come true. I got to Fantasia Land, went straight to fly. I'm like, I'm not missing this ride. I, I want to ride this ride. I want to experience this. And when I got off the ride, I was just shaking. I'm like, that was incredible. That was everything I'd hoped it would be. It, it really just kind of hit, hit that soft spot for me of, of, flying coasters so nice that, that's incredible so uh when you went to Fantasyland, did you stay on property or, or off property no I, I stayed off property okay so i'm gonna probably give you a tip here because obviously you sure. about this, you're gonna you're gonna go back to Fantasyland. um sure. i'm making it a point to make a your a um an annual pilgrimage to europa park and Fantasyland because they're both the top five parks for me uh, and and along with going yeah. to other parks in Europe as well. But anyways, mm -hmm. um, how much did the theming, the visual and or the auditory theming on Fly impact you as far as being your favorite coaster? Uh, I think it would have been really high even without it, but the theming really is kind of what makes that ride, right? You're just flying okay. through those buildings and, and you have all the near misses and you're going underground and under under the track all these crossovers and everything uh, but i'd say one of the best moments on that coaster is when you're going up that that lift hill kind of in the dark there and and you have the the show playing on the screen and then it flips you yes. into the flying position it's just such yes. a cool feeling yes and thank you for being vague there uh we a lot of people don't want to know how incredible how how the incredible loading system works on fly and yeah. so we've really not really talked about yeah so we don't really talk about it much in the show if at all but uh it, yeah i was blown away when i again being an engineer when i saw that how that works i'm like yeah wow because again not getting to how it loads but because of how it loads having that little dark ride section with the music and those great visuals yeah and, yeah yeah I, did you uh by the way just curious when you were there, did you want up buying any of the CDs they sell for the, the music they have in the park? No, I didn't know they had those actually. So in the main shop in Berlin, you know, there's like that main gift shop there. Yeah. Yeah. So in the Berlin section, that's where they sell the CDs and they're behind the registers. Okay. That's why you probably know. So I have, I, cool. I think I have like almost all of them. Um, I, I listen to music all the time. I have like a playlist because I put them on oh, yeah. like Apple music and, and especially the music to fly that all that music was yeah. done um or should I say rookberg all that music was done by emascore uh they're european okay. they do amazing theme park music um cool. yeah that that is some of the best work they've done so yeah fly is so high for me the theming the right the air time just the loading system the dark ride section 
Uh, and Rookburg, yeah. I think, is one of the best theme lands, if not the best theme land in the world. It's just so oh yeah, beautiful. it's incredible. Yeah, yeah. So my recommendation to you, yeah, and then we'll move on to the next question. Is next time you go there, I did this both times I went there, and I, I loved it so much the first time I did it again. Is yeah. to do the do the Charles Lindbergh package, the Hotel Charles Lindbergh package. It's okay. great value. It runs like U.S. dollars. It runs around three hundred fifty dollars or so. Okay. And you get that's for one person, and you get two day ticket to Fantasyland. You get two fast passes. You know the Charles Lindbergh tickets, as they're called, for fly. Yeah. Uh, you get a gourmet table service dinner in the restaurant, the restaurant Uruk, it's called in in, okay. in uh, the hotel, and you get a breakfast the next day. Uh, and the hotel's awesome, the Capsule Hotel. Yeah. And you you know the because it's you saw it, it's kind of all outside there with the railings. You get to go yeah. really high up on the hotel, you know, whatever wherever you're staying, you can go throughout the hotel and take gorgeous yeah. pictures of Rookberg and fly. But cool. another really cool thing you get to do as a hotel guest is the night you're there, the, the one night between your two park days. Yeah. You long after the park's closed, it's quiet, everyone's gone here. The lights are on. Did you get to see Rookberg at night at least or no? Uh, I think I walked over there at night, yeah. Yeah, those blue and red lights they have. The lights yep. are on, the music's playing, coaster's not running. You can walk into Rookburg in okay. the middle of a park that's closed as a hotel guest. You can go down cool. there until like, I think, 11 p.m. or some midnight or something. So these are all, you know, cool. it, it, and it's an amazing experience and it's a great value. But anyways, I sure. recommend doing that next time. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure I will. Yeah, so anyways, like, yeah. it's my favorite ride, right? So got to get the full experience there. Oh, yeah. And the theming inside the hotel is as amazing as it is outside what you've already seen. It's cool. so, I mean, Fantasyland, again, they're my favorite park in the world. They they knock everything out of the park. So, well, oh, yeah. that was, yeah, that was a nice surprise. Thanks for sharing your favorite coaster. That was fun to <laughs> talk about my favorite park. Yeah, that's so cool. All right. So I'm guessing it's not at Fantasyland, but what is your mm -hmm. least favorite coaster? Uh, this is actually a hard one because... Growing up with King's Island, which has, you know, especially back in the day, back before Diamondback was built, a very mixed bag of, of good and bad coasters. Uh, I kind of learned to tolerate the bad ones. And, you know, fairly early on in my enthusiast career, I realized I'm happier just being on a coaster than not. There aren't very many rides that I'm like, oh, I regret riding that, if yeah. any. The only one that comes to mind, the only, the only ride in my recent memory that I remember being like, Maybe that wasn't worth it. That was not a good ride. It was actually Kitty Hawk at um, Carowinds. <laughs> I don't know. So I, I thought it would be fun. Like the, it's not called Runaway Reptile, whatever the one at Kings Island is called now. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it rode rougher for me. Maybe it was, you know, I didn't have the same memory of when I'd ridden it as a kid, but, um, and it, you know, it was a Kitty Cred. So I was riding it just to get the cred. Uh, but, yeah, for some reason that that ride hit me hit me wrong, came across wrong or whatever. I totally get it, and uh, you know, David, he's in the background. Sometimes he jumps into episodes, and he's probably busy right now because I know he would jump in otherwise because he that's one of his least favorites and the head banging and everything. Yeah, as they're affectionately called, the hang bangs. Um, <laughs> and yeah. I, I just gotta yeah, and, and I just gotta take. A quick aside, because between what we just mentioned there, what you just mentioned there, and the last question, yeah, I gotta say, you know, I love Intamin, but mm -hmm. the, but yeah, and I, 
there want there there are several manufacturers that I've approached interviewing because I go to app every year and I've got friends that work with these manufacturers, the ones I mentioned earlier, that that they they've yeah. got me connected with them. But there's certain <laughs> manufacturers they just they don't want to be interviewed. And I found out why. It's because they want the parks that own the product to do the interviews. They they want to remain in the background. They don't want to stick out. Gotcha. I respect. And unfortunately, yeah. one of the one of those is Vacoma. But I mm-hmm. still I love Vacoma. I tagged them when I rode Fly and how much I love yeah. it. Um, and in Tron, they did a, Tron's my favorite Disney coaster. Um, I gotta say, wow, what a transformation Vacoma has gone through. Oh, absolutely. Have, yeah. I mean, they. Have, I mean, I rode Stealth which is now Nighthawk, you know, opening year. And I loved it. But like you yeah. said, the Flying Dutchman, they were rough around the edges, profiling issues, comfort issues. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm sure you won't disagree with this, given your number one. But yeah. Homa completely redeemed themselves with their second-gen model, with the, with the Fly model. I mean, oh, night, absolutely. And day, night and day. And likewise, you know, they've these new junior coasters, they have things like Dragonfly or Dollywood, uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and uh, there's that Phoenix at Coney Island, uh, yeah. and you know the one here we have at uh, at uh, Fun Spot here in Orlando. You know mm-hmm. these newer junior style with the, you know lap bar only and everything. They're great yeah. coasters. I mean, yeah, they're family, yeah. but they're really fun. Mm-hmm. They're really fun. So they, they yeah. really redeem themselves. So hey, you know, not everyone starts off at the top. That some people you got to work up. And the point yeah. is, they, they've gotten better, and and my hats off to them. So oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah. So let's talk about, about your employer. You're wearing the shirt there. Again, our yep. listeners can't see that because the podcast, but you're wearing a vegan shirt. That's awesome. Yep. So I, I wanted to touch upon related to that real quick, just something funny I observed. Um, sure. You were talking about how you got your job with them. Mm-hmm. So do you, do you ever go by Jake, by the way, is always Jacob. Jacob. Uh, okay. So of course, yep. you know that Jake, of course, is the diminutive of Jake. So. Sure. There is something about <laughs> I'm being I'm, I'm being funny here in a way, but there's yeah. something about people with the name Jacob or Jake that mm-hmm. work in the industry and the funny ways they get jobs. And what I mean by this is <laughs> you're the second. And, and again, it's not uncommon, but it's not terribly common for people to get jobs by directly going to IAPA. And, and it happens. Um, yeah. And I, you know, but. You know, it's IAPA typically, it's more of a sales environment, you know, to sell product. And, and yeah. but, uh, and, and this is sort of a little bit of a tragic thing, but uh, there is, um, there was uh, this guy named Jake, younger guy mm-hmm. like yourself, and he um, went to IAPA. He loved RMC, talked to Fred. This is, I think, in mm-hmm. 2019, got a job with RMC. Unfortunately, he passed away in an accident not related to RMC. Oh, no. Um, yeah, it, it's, I won't go into specifics of it, but he passed away in uh, in September 2020, and it was really tragic. He was a very brilliant guy. Uh, oh. He was building coasters for RMC prior to that, and in the pandemic, he got a different mm-hmm. job in the industry, and it, it was, yeah, just a, some of those fluke things that happens. But anyways, but he he got his job at at from RMC, you know, by going to them at IAPA. And you <laughs> you're Jacob, Jake, and you did the you know same thing with with Wigan. And then yeah. of course there is J- also another Jake from from RMC, Jake Kilcup. Yeah, his you probably know his story. You're in Office Max working there, and they come in there yeah. and they you know and they're like, oh, do you know uh, AutoCAD at all? You can help us with that. Like, want to design coasters and. Yeah. And, and, you know, and he's such an awesome, positive guy and he got the job and yeah, anyway, yeah. it's kind of fun, but anyway, so you got your job with Wigan. Yeah. Uh, so 
and I realize you're new to the company, so I mean, I'm not sure how much you're you're, you're versed on, but you know, I, I'm curious, and I'm sure some of our listeners are curious to know, you know, what is uh, the history of Weekend, and then maybe talk about, of course, since given your experience about designing and building mountain coasters for them. Sure. Yeah. And just to loop around to clarify, you know, I got the job in August uh, and IAPA was all the way back in November. It, it was kind of more of a, a reconnection with Weekend um, sure. that, that actually got me the job. But it was that first IAPA contact that I, I got contacts with a bunch of different companies, not just Weekend, sure. that, that really kind of led to that. But yeah, no, the history of Weekend, um, I ran through this with, with my boss beforehand just to make sure I was getting things right. Oh, great, um, great. Obviously, it's a company that started in Germany. Joseph Wiegand was the founder of the company. Uh, in 1975, he had built his first Alpine slide out of stainless steel. Uh, he wanted he wanted to see like these ski resorts have more summer activities. And these ski resorts, of course, wanted to pull in pull in the summer revenue. Um, and they call it the summer toboggan. The the German word for it translates to summer toboggan, but that's that's the Alpine slide. Uh, so they built a few of those. And then in 1997, um, Joseph Wiegand got the idea to build a, a, an Alpine coaster, which is, of course, kind of a mix between that Alpine slide concept and a roller coaster, right? Where you still have the patron break, you're still in control, and you're still going down a mountain, but you're on a coaster track. And that that actually ended up having a, a huge advantage in that, whereas the Alpine slide has to be built along the ground, the coaster track can rise off the ground a little bit. So if you have if you even if you don't have the perfect grade on your terrain, you can still build a coaster by making these turns and stuff that that go up in the air a little bit um, and then come back down to the ground and, and and all these different things. It's a lot more versatile of a system, right. uh, and of course more reliable. It's safer. You don't fall off the tracks on an alpine coaster, um, but you know you occasionally get derailed on the on those alpine slides, those kinds of things. Uh, so, so that's how the Alpine coaster was born. Joseph Wiegand invented that um, out in Germany. Uh, the first one in the U.S. was built by my boss Torsten Weddle. Uh, he runs the he runs the U.S. office and the U.S. side of of Wiegand here. Okay. Uh, he, that was out in Glenwood Springs. That was built in two thousand six, and that kind of got got them turned into an adventure park. Uh, really kicked them off, and you've seen now they. They've got Defiance, you know, they've got all these, they've got the oh, drop yeah. tower, the swing yeah. and everything. Yeah, it's yeah. a really cool place. But but yeah, we built that Alpine coaster back in 06. And uh, from there, the Alpine coaster in the U.S. market really took off. Um, after Glenwood Springs, the ski resort industry was really kind of what picked up on it a lot. Um, you yeah. see them at like Park City, at like Heavenly Resort, Vail Resort, those kinds of places. Uh, that was Difficult at first because a lot of ski resorts are built on U.S. Forest Service land. Yeah. And for a while, the U.S. Forest Service didn't want to approve Alpine coasters on their land. Uh, but I believe the first one they approved would have been Vail um, back in like 2012 or something like that. Uh, and, and we've been able to work with the U.S. Forest Service since then on a number of projects at different ski resorts that are owned by, by the U.S. Forest Service. Not, land is owned by the U.S. Forest Service and the ski resorts run privately. Um, so that that really kind of gave us a leg up in the industry to the point where, as far as I'm aware, 
all the ski resorts that want a mountain coaster have either built one or have talked to us at some point or talked to one of our competitors at some point uh, to build a mountain coaster. So now you see the market shifting more towards kind of the standalone rides, a lot of what you see in like Pigeon Forge, Gatlinburg area, sure. um, or like adventure parks that kind of build up around these alpine coasters. Um, and my bosses, Torsten and his wife, Jessica, um, Torsten actually met Jessica while he was building the Glenwood coaster and okay. they got married and they've been running the company together um, basically ever since then. Uh, they're building their own ride up in um, Lakeside, Montana. It's near Kalispell, kind of close to Glacier National Park. Um, oh. And once that opens, that'll be Montana hasn't had a roller coaster in a while and it's not a roller coaster. It's an alpine coaster, right? But right. Montana will have a coaster again once that opens here. They're hoping to open up in May. So, oh, no. um, now you said it's so their own. So that's they're going to own it. Yep, mm -hmm. they're the owners of the ride. Oh, okay. So, yeah. oh, is it just going to be a one-off thing, or is there other things there that are, are part of that where it is? Uh, for now, ride? it's just as for now, it's just a standalone coaster. It's kind of just a roadside attraction. If you're going to Glacier National Park uh, or to Flathead Lake, is where the the ride is. Um, yeah, you know, come come ride this ride. Um, and and they're not building it for Weekend, that, but, you know, because they work for Weekend, it's kind of like almost a family project yeah, uh, where, yeah. where they're, they're like, you know, they always kind of wanted to build their own ride and now they get to, and it's here in Montana, which is where they love to be. It's a great place for the company and, and it's the first coaster in Montana in a while. So we're excited for Very that. Cool. That's really yep. cool. Nice. Nice. Yeah. When I get out to Montana, I'll definitely have to ride it. That's for sure. That's, that's great. Yeah. Give you an excuse to come to Montana. <laughs> yeah. There you go. I mean, I, 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 big sky country. I mean, again, like I was saying earlier, I've, I've gotten a sense of how beautiful it is remotely and yeah, I, I'd love to see it. And I love national parks and, and hiking. And yeah. That. That'd be, yeah. That'd be great. So, uh, you know, you mentioned Glenwood, I mentioned mm -hmm. earlier about hopefully hitting the Texas, the new Brunswick's area one, the kind of hill country one next year when I go out to that road trip. I, uh, that road trip, I'm planning on continuing out to Colorado. I've got a bunch of friends out there I want to see. I've never been. I really want to go and, you know, ride the mountain coast, ride to Fines, et cetera. So, yeah, yeah I'll get to ride that next year and, and so forth. But, you know, you're talking about Alpine slides. So the ones yeah. that Wegan made early in the early days, those were the stainless steel ones? Yeah. Uh, Wegan's only ever built stainless steel Alpine slides. So. Got, it, got it. Do those yeah. use the same kind of cars as the cement trough ones do, or is it different? Um, I couldn't tell you. We don't actually build Alpine slides in the U.S., uh, mostly for liability uh, reasons. We have one. We've got Olympic Park um, in Park City, Utah, uh, okay. but uh, that was built a while ago, and we haven't built one in the U.S. since. So Yeah, they're not really built much here in the U.S. anymore, like you said, for insurance and you know safety reasons. Yeah, but yeah. Um, when I was a kid, uh, I grew up in New Jersey, which is near uh, the infamous Action Park. Yeah, and that's the Valley uh, uh, Valley Forge um, Ski Resort, whatever it's called over there, yeah. uh, northern New Jersey. And uh, I I've ridden the Alpine slides there. I've ridden mm -hmm. ones up in New England, like New Hampshire area, when I where I went to camp as a teenager. And you know yeah. how teenagers are. We're you know tend to be uh, you're not as careful as an adult. <laughs> Oftentimes, <laughs> teenagers do stupid things. And I like speed, so I was you know pushing things too much and i've fallen off the uh, once in new hampshire mm -hmm. like once or twice and got the oh gosh <laughs> the rash you know yeah. the rash for a while and you know it's just yeah it's the it's the worst possible combination that the the ones that where it happened they were a combination of water parks and alpine yeah. slides in the summer so i had my like you know yeah. sort of bathing suit on 
you know, it's kind of like a short shirt kind of thing. And like, mm-hmm. I think I wore a t-shirt. So like my, my skin was exposed and my leg got all, you know, it, 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 yeah. it's a, <laughs> you know, it's a, it's a badge of courage or whatever, but you know, I, I would still ride, I think I'd still ride up in size. I haven't ridden them in years, but I would be a little yeah. more careful about the stick. But, yeah. Um, yep. <laughs> yeah. But that does raise the question. That was something I've wondered about. Now I've mm-hmm. been on quite a few of your uh, mountain coasters and sure. I've never really, even though I'm an engineer, I've never really looked at this for whatever reason, but okay. do the cars you guys, that you guys have on your Alpine uh, coasters, do are they in any way like conventional steel coasters where they've got like side and upstop wheels, like where they're attached to the track or are they separate? You know, like what keeps them on the track, I guess, is what I mean. Yeah, um, I guess kind of an interesting way to gonna approach this answer is we've been building what we call the Alpine Coaster 2.0. Uh, the Gen 2 Alpine Coaster. And we built the first one in Skyland Ranch, which is the one you're about to go ride. And you'll notice uh, notice as an enthusiast and as an engineer, you'll probably notice quite a few differences on the ride system where the 2.0 model has the track like a a typical roller coaster where you have the side wheels kind of hugging the track and then an upstop wheel underneath. Um, And so that's got that new track system. The the first gen model, the 1.0 model, as we call it, does have side wheels as well. They run all, kind of all on the inside of the brake rails. So there's the main okay. running rails and then there's the brake rails. The brake yeah. rails have the side wheels on them. And then there's just an aluminum block underneath uh, that acts as the upstop there. So the, the sleds cannot come off the track. Okay, um, and that's that's why, but, you, because, yeah, okay. Yeah. I, see, here's the thing. I'm not, yeah, again, I, I, we talked about fear earlier. I'm not scared of coasters or anything like that. But yeah. I remember what happened to me with Alpine slides. And so the yeah. first couple of mountain coasters <laughs> that I rode, I couldn't help but compare the two because there's similarities. And I'm like, yeah. do I push the stick forward or not? I remember talking to one of my buddies, mm-hmm. my buddy Bradley, who's been on many of these. And he's like, yeah, you can push it all the way forward. Just you know, as long as there's no one in front of you, you know, yep. you got to watch out for that. And of course, there's mm-hmm. and you guys also uh, even the 1.0, you guys have like yeah. built in systems where they the cars sense each other. And the, it'll break if it gets too close or something, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So mountain coasters, your, your alpine coasters are very safe. Yeah. You know, yeah. Very, which is great. Which is great. And I mean, they, they, they live up to all the modern engineering standards. Um, I am personally very involved in making sure that we're following the American standards specifically. And, and sure. uh, yeah, there, there, are, there are quite a few features, a lot of redundancies too on the alpine coaster. Um, of course, you know, we do want patrons to be aware and be riding the ride actively and making sure they're not getting too close. But we do have uh, electronic computer systems um, that are that are monitoring the distance between slides, monitoring the maximum speed of the slides uh, and monitoring like where the end of the track is and that kind of thing that that do assist with with the rider braking to make sure that the ride is safe, even if the riders aren't aren't performing all their responsibilities properly. Right, right. Yeah, because yeah. that's basically in place of having block breaks. Yeah, uh-huh. makes, sense. makes sense. Gotcha. So yeah. we've already kind of been talking about this, but it, I guess I'll ask it this way. Would you say there's any other unique features that you'd like to touch upon that set mountain coasters apart from conventional steel and wooden coasters? Yeah, actually, uh, I think we at Weekend are actually fairly careful about distinguishing mountain coasters from roller coasters. Uh, and the main thing with that being that it's a patron directed ride. So you have the brakes, you control your own experience and that way it's accessible to 
anyone in the family, right? If you're, if you're a thrill seeker, you can get on the ride, push the brake levers forward and just let the thing go. But right, if, you know, right. if you're grandma and, and you want to take the little toddler or as long as they're tall enough, right on the ride, yeah. then, you know, you can go as slow, you can go not super slow, but you can, you know, keep it slow. So it's not too intense of a ride. You're just kind of, you know, going for a nice ride through the woods. Um, you have that control over your ride. And that's, that's one of the biggest things um, from an engineering standpoint. And you might be a little bit interested in this as an engineer. Um, the construction of an Alpine coaster is actually quite a bit different. Uh, we don't have pre-manufactured tracks like you'd see, like you see, you know, shipping to the parks in, yeah. in chunks already. Uh, we just have our stainless steel pipes. Um, and then we have our install crews who can weld on site. Uh, mm-hmm. And they build, they build the coaster to the terrain. With mountains, you get the terrain changing quite a bit. Um, and most of our, for the most part, our track does not use foundations. Um, there, there are a couple spots like near the bull wheels around the station, or if we have particularly high sections of the ride, we will put in foundations. But most of the track just runs on these ground footers with ground nails in them. And those can actually be adjusted throughout the coaster's lifetime. So as they're installing it, they can really build it to the terrain. Uh, and then the maintenance crews down the road, if, you know, if, if the ground starts to get washed up and you get a loose footer, they can extend out that leg and get it back on the ground and, and have the ride a, adjust with the mountain, I guess. I see. Interesting. So I, yeah. that begs the question, because I know um, got, I've got a, a friend of mine, his family actually owns, um, I think it's, I've never been there, but I think it's um, confusingly called magic mountain or something like that it's at big bear it's oh yeah yeah mountain. yep yeah mm-hmm. yeah and they own uh i think one of your one of your coasters i need to get out there they do yep <laughs> get me in for free because they own the place but anyway yeah I just i don't go to california that part of california much but anyway yeah so you know that's an earthquake country so mm-hmm. given that they're not there's no concrete footers and things like that um yeah uh, does that make your mountain coasters more have more give with earthquakes like do they weather earthquakes better or um i i don't know about earthquakes i don't think that that's necessarily the situation we have in mind uh when it comes to that that footer system but obviously if we're building one like in la or near la at at near big bear up there um for that ride we have calculations just like anyone building a structure down their wood for, for seismic loads and those kinds of things. I see. So it's a the mechanical engineering behind it makes sense. That's, mm-hmm. And that's obviously you, you, well, have you not, have you had to design a, a mountain coaster yet for an environment like that? Or has that not come up for you personally yet? Um, for me personally, I haven't gotten so far in the design stage to, really be thinking about that except for with Got one okay. uh, which actually by the time this drops will be fairly well known it's not a secret now either but uh, mammoth mountain is currently building a building a coaster so oh out, in California. Mammoth out near out near yosemite mm-hmm. yep mammoth oh, nice. in mammoth lakes yeah near mammoth mountain resort the ski resort they have like 700 inches of snow right now which is ridiculous but, but oh, we're planning definitely. on starting out there in july so i guess oh, probably nice. before this drops Yep. Nice. Now, do you ever get travel to sites where the installs are happening or, or is that not part of your role? Um, I do occasionally. Uh, the other engineer in the office has more experience with that. So he he's the one that's more likely to go on site uh, if, if we need someone on site. And then he'll go and do the commissioning of the rides. Uh, he'll sure. go 
do the track inspection, figure out what was installed. Like I said, it's not pre-manufactured pieces. So we're going to go at the end of the ride, see, all right, what actually was put in here. Um, gotcha. and, and then keep an eye on like the, the programming of the ride, uh, watch over kind of their maintenance and operations team as, as they run the ride for a couple of days, those kinds of things. Uh, he's been doing a lot of that. They, they hired me on more actually for dry slides. So I've been working with a lot of like malls and private owners and those kinds of things to, to build dry slides. Uh, so I haven't had the opportunity to go on site as much. I have been out a couple of times though. And it's always cool to see the rides out there. Oh yeah. Well, if you ever, whether it be as part of a work trip or just separately, um, have you been to Mammoth Lakes before, by the way, or no? I haven't actually. Okay. Cause I've been there. I'm not a skier. I do not yeah. ski. I, uh, I do ski, but I haven't been out there. But yeah. Oh, okay. It looks like I mean I don't know if I don't ski, I don't know how good the mountain is there, but it looked looked pretty cool. But I was there in the summer, in yeah. well, end of summer in September, because I went to Yosemite once and I I like to stay with my the hotel chain I use, which is Marriott. Yeah. Um, because you know, points and earning status. I'm I, I love I love loyalty programs. I'm I'm loyal to them. Uh and yeah. Uh, we were going there for just for hiking and to go to Yosemite, never been to Yosemite. And the nearest yep. Marriott, at least at the time, was the Westin uh, in, in Mammoth Lakes. And it's right at the ski resort there. And yeah. a cute town. It, it's gorgeous. Absolutely mm-hmm. gorgeous. Imagine the winter. It's even, maybe even prettier. You know, maybe not with seven inches of snow, though. It's crazy out there. Yeah. But yeah, Mammoth Lakes is really cool, though. It's uh, that, that I yeah, I'd happily go back there. And to ride a mountain coaster, that's cool that they're getting one. Thanks for sharing that little tidbit. Yeah. Yeah. And we've been in talks with them for years. So so this has been something that's been thrown around. It's been in news articles before that this is something that's probably going to happen. And we're excited that it, it finally is happening. Uh, and that right. I actually did a fair amount of design work on that. Uh, there was a design in place already. I had to redesign the bottom half of it. So once that gets built, that'll be kind of my first ride that I designed. Uh, in a cool. sense. So I'm excited for yeah. that as well. Of course. Very cool. I mean, you, obviously you're very new to the company. It's yep. been less than a year. So yeah, that's very cool. You already, you already got your, uh, your um, signature on something, so to speak. Yeah. <laughs> nice. nice. Yep. So, uh, you know, I mentioned before we started recording, uh, one of the other manufacturers we interviewed here in uh, season three of the podcast is uh, Mora Rides, you know, also based in Germany. And yeah. we were talking about their spike coaster technology, the cruise ship stuff. And I, I, mm-hmm. I recently myself got, I used to, I've gone on cruises before, loved it, but just didn't do one for years. And I just did another one recently. And now I'm like totally into cruising again. I just booked two more cruises and I've not booked any yeah. other carnival with, without their ships that like the Mardi Gras that have the spike coaster, but I eventually want to do that. But anyways, mm-hmm. um, but, uh, you know, the, he, the, uh, Steve Bonnie, the person from Mar that we, um, interviewed talked a lot about the spike coaster really interesting stuff and one of the things he mentioned is you know because the spike it's sort of like the mountain coasters and the controllability the speed you know it's powered you know but uh he talked about they're they're offering a model now where it doesn't have that control aspect anymore where it's a train same technology similar Mm -hmm. maybe larger tracks is that something that you guys could do or have thought about doing again you lose the control aspect of doing like a maybe a bit of a larger mountain coaster but same kind of tech, but, but with a increase in the capacity. Is that something that's a possibility or is it not? Um, I mean, we're getting kind of into the week in Germany versus week in US here a little bit as okay. well. Okay, uh, how's which, that? Like, I mean, we we work we work 
very closely with them. They, they do a lot of kind of the, the design work as far as like the sleds and the actual ride system itself uh, and those kinds of things. Uh, and here in the US, we do the site specific design work because every Alpine coaster has to be designed site specific, right? It's going on a hill. Um, Got it. Got it. Okay, and, so uh, yeah. yeah. So out in Germany, I know they have built two rides that don't use brake levers. Um, as far as I'm aware, that's not something we're really bringing over here to the U.S. right now, but um, it, it's something that they've experimented with and, and tried out a little bit. So I see. Was that still like a, a single dual occupancy or was it a, like, a longer? Uh, uh, no, it's still single dual occupancy. Got it. Yep. Got it. But bottom line is what you're saying is that any changes, any like new designs uh, or new technology would come driven by Germany, by the facility there. Yeah, yeah, for like the right system itself. Yeah, that would come more from the German office. (laughs) That makes sense. That makes sense. Okay, got it. So, you know, besides things you've kind of already mentioned, because you kind of already talked about this, but are there any other challenges that you guys face in designing or building a mountain coaster? Yeah, so the biggest challenge is that every single ride has to be different, right? Every ride's unique, uh, and it's always striking the balance between a number of different factors with a customer when they come to us for an Alpine coaster, like, first of all, is, is the terrain good for an Alpine coaster? We have specific grade requirements that we, that we need when we're building the coaster. And then of course, soil bearing requirements, like those kinds of things. Uh, And then are there interesting features around, like, do do they want to go around a big tree or by a river or those kinds of things? And then is that, is that practical to do that? Like if we're going down the hill and we go over to this river, do we get stuck in another Canyon and we can't get the track back to the, back to the station building or, uh, or, you know, other logistical things. Does this go over a cliff? Like we can't obviously can't build down a cliff. Right. Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so the terrain itself is always kind of the, the biggest challenge when a customer calls us, we are like, all right, what, is, what does your terrain look like? Uh, can we take a look at it? Can we try our hand at drawing up a roller, uh, a roller coaster, a mountain coaster on this, uh, on this ground? And if we can figure something out, you know, great. We always try to come up with a creative solution for anyone that comes to us, right? Um, yeah, but yeah. some terrain is more difficult than others to build on, and and we just have to kind of work around that. And then you have to balance other factors, like you know, if it's steeper terrain, you're going to have more sections of the track that are higher up. And that's going to cost more, right? You've got more supports, more material. It's harder sure. to install if it's higher off the ground. Um, and you know, other other cost factors as well. How long does the customer want the ride? Um, and are they willing to pay to have a longer ride to have that second or third uptrack, like you see on Rocky Top, where they've got four lift systems on that on that ride, right? Right, right. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's you know, it every ride has to be designed unique. And with that comes just the natural challenges of having to come up with creative solutions for different situations that we're presented with. Gotcha. No, that makes a lot of sense. And yeah, in a way, like, you know, something that's well known, especially, you know, Six Flags, other parks sometimes have these. And as as enthusiasts, you know, from a theming perspective, these are sometimes kind of like looked upon poorly is like a parking lot coaster and what you guys do mm-hmm. is the reverse of that because you're not dealing with flat terrain and oh, yeah. you're dealing with all the yeah the challenges and that's where your your mechanical engineering background comes in physics and yeah mm-hmm. for sure for sure got it got it yeah so 
Uh, do you have a favorite weekend coaster? Well, how many, how many, uh, you know, again, I know you're new to the company, but how many weekend coasters would you say you've been on, roughly speaking? I've been on probably about 10. Um, yeah, I, I definitely wanting to get on more. Uh, we did our Christmas party. Most of that came from, we did our Christmas party out in the Gatlinburg Pigeon Forge area. Uh, and we did an Alpine coaster tour back in December uh, and rode almost all the rides out there. We missed one or two of them, but, um, but I, of the ones I've ridden uh, out in Pigeon Forge, uh, I really liked the goats coaster, the one that goats on the roof. <laughs> yeah, goats the roof is awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just a quirky ride. It's got it's got a few jumps that can give you little pops of air time. It's got some cool yeah. cool turns in it. Uh, for the most part, it's fairly low to the ground, which is always kind of a fun feature. You feel like you're you're kind of sledding down the ground. Um, yeah. But of the ones I've ridden, I like them all for different reasons. Smoky Mountain is is one of our most popular ones out there. Like oh, yeah, you said, it's a long ride. It's a beautiful, beautiful area. Very good, very nice scenery. Uh, Rocky Top's got the theming. When I talk yeah. to enthusiasts about about mountain coasters and Pigeon Forge, a lot of them bring up Rocky Top. They love they love that ride. And we're actually building another one uh, that might actually be open by the time this drops. Uh, Lost Mine uh, in Pigeon Forge. It's oh. kind of like Rocky Top. It's it's got four lift systems on it, and they're doing this whole mining theme. It, it's going to be really really cool. Would recommend going and checking that one out once it once it opens. Yep, okay. I should open well, probably early to mid August. Would be my oh, guess. August. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Cool. I was going to say you yep. got me excited because because my friends that I'm going to be joining at, at the Coast Crew event at Dollywood, um, they're they're big uh, credit credit hunters. Yeah, uh, I want to use a PG term there. He's uh, using a different term, but anyway. Uh, so, <laughs> yep. <laughs> you know what I mean. Anyway, yep. but, um, <laughs> so uh, they would have been like so excited because they're all talking about how you know we're going to go to Skyland Ranch, and I'm like, uh, guy, yeah, just, no, but it won't be open by then. It makes sense, but yeah, and that you know, one, yeah, 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 that yeah. that ride's also going to be a 2.0, uh, as is the one at Mammoth, as is the one we're currently building at Anakista and Gatlinburg. Uh, and I really, really like the new 2.0 system. It's a lot smoother. Um, we actually took away the physical braking rails and replaced it just with a big aluminum fin. So we have eddy current brakes. Um, so it's quieter, oh. it's smoother. Um, it's a smoother braking experience. The sleds are redesigned so you can you can theme the sleds now. Uh, you know, we've got decals on, on our new 2.0 sleds that uh, Anakistas is gonna be themed to um, the Hellbender Salamander that they have down in the Smoky Mountains. Uh, and oh. those are some really cool decals on the sleds there. Um, so, so yeah, no, I, I, I give you some of my favorite rides. And I think as we roll out more second gen models, that there will be even more favorites for me uh, as these get built, just because that second gen model is, is really cool and rides really, really nicely. Nice, nice. So yeah, that's cool. I, I've been to Anakista. Now, now the single rail coaster that's there now, that's not one of yours, right? That's a different company. No, that's not. Mm -hmm. That's yeah, yeah, Sunkid. That's... Well, it's, they used to be Brandauer. They're now part of Sunkid. So oh, yeah. okay, got but oh, we're yeah. we are building yeah, we're building an Alpine Coaster 2.0 on another part of Anakista. And we're Where's actually that also one? building that one okay, that one's good. supposed to open mid-May. Uh, oh, okay. There might be a few construction delays with that, but but we'll see. We're we're doing everything we can to get them open as close to on time as possible. Um, yeah, sure. uh, I get, it should be open by the time this drops, almost certainly. 
Uh, we're also building dry slides there. And like I said, I, I'm kind of doing a lot of the slide work here in the US. So I'm excited to, to see they, those going as well. They're calling it Bird Venture. It's kind of like a, it's, it's a bunch of slides. We call it a snake farm. It's like two okay. slides on, on the side of a hill that you can hike up to, go down these long slides and it's catered to all ages. It's not just a playground for kids. You know, adults can go on this oh, well, as well and experience it. And so, so we're doing a couple of cool things up at Anikista and we're excited for that. Very cool. Yeah, Anikista is beautiful. Yeah, it's, I love mm -hmm. the, the chandala as they call it up, up there and down yep. the views you get. Yeah, very cool, very cool. All right. Well, great. Well, thank you for sharing all about weekend, your employer. And I'm, you know, I'm, that's, I think it's awesome that you got your kind of your dream job there and you're just getting started and yeah. You know, yeah. You gotta be, you gotta be looking positively upon the future. So that's, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. Awesome. So uh, we have uh, a new question here in season three. We call it the, the uh, Dustin Leister question. It's, it's named yeah. after a, a very tragic, um, one of our early fans of, of the channel long before we were a podcast or a YouTube channel. Um, yeah. And he was on our podcast season one and he he's, was not even 16 yet. And he tragically passed away last year. Um, oh. And so uh, he was very close to David mm -hmm. in California. I never got to meet him, unfortunately. Um, but because of the, the impact that his passing had on David, uh, we added this new question to the uh, interview uh, slates. So that's sure. the fr framing of this one. So uh, how would you like your family, your friends, your colleagues, those that knew you to remember you by? Yeah, I, you sent this to me beforehand, of course, uh, uh, for listeners context. And I, I had a chance to, to think about it a lot. And it's a really, really deep question to get into. Um, and I actually lost my dad uh, about five years ago uh, oh to, to an, an accident, a very tragic accident. Oh. Um, and one thing I saw from that was, um, you know, when, when you die young, you end up having a lot of people at your funeral. Um, it's yeah. unfortunate, but you also, for me, it was really cool to see just the number of people. There were probably over 2000 people at my dad's funeral, just the number of people whose lives he touched and the people he had personal relationships with. Right. And, and who really felt like they had, that he had changed their life in some way. And that's kind of that's kind of more of my life philosophy more so than like, Oh, I want to design the coolest roller coaster ever or, or do any of these cool projects. You know, I, for me, valuing those relationships that I have in my life and staying close to the people that are close to me, the people that I love, the people that love me, I, I feel like that's the most important thing. And that's, I, you know, I want those people to remember me as a loving brother, as a loving friend, or as someone who positively impacted their life. Um, and that's, you know, I want to live my life in such a way that, that at my funeral, there will be a lot of people that will say, oh, he touched my life for the better. He set my life on, on a better course. Love it. Love it. That's very poignant. And yeah, very well put. Uh, I can, I can relate to that. You know, I love helping people. That's why I work in customer facing roles like sales. Uh, but, I, but even outside of my work, my personal life, I love helping people, whether it be at the parks, I love taking people to parks they've ever been to and, sh you know, showing them around and make sure they have a good time. Um, I love just doing favors for people. I love, one of my favorite things is to connect people like a friend's looking for a job. And I know someone that's, that they would be perfect for to work for and just connecting them up. And, you know, I, these are things I don't have to do. I don't have yeah. to say anything at all. 
but I love helping people. I love making people's lives better. And and so that's what, how I want to be remembered by, which is, you know, very similar to what you shared there. That's, that's great. Okay. Um, I do have to ask 2000 people at your dad's funeral. Yeah, I, that's, that's an estimate shooting from the hip, but uh, we held it at a church and we filled the entire pew and the entire overflow. Basically I, I, my dad was, a very social person, but also um, in kind of one of those forward-facing positions. He he did purchasing for his company, um, okay. and and a lot of like the business stuff. And he was very involved with with the church that my family goes to, and um, very involved. I I too am very involved with like my extended family beyond like just cousins, like second cousins, great aunts and great uncles. Uh, a lot of those people I I know personally, and my dad was personally very close with those kinds of people as well. Oh, that's great. Love it. That's mm-hmm. awesome. That's awesome. Sounds like you live, lived a, a very noble life. And uh, Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 I, I, um, I lost someone very close to me uh, last year as a former manager of mine. And mm-hmm. to this day, still the best manager I've ever worked for. Just great. He was a great leader. He was a great nurturer and the best managers are, they nurture their teams. Yeah. Uh, but just a wonderful friend too. And we remained friends long after we both left that company we were at. And he unfortunately, um, tragically passed away fairly young, you know, in his fifties mm-hmm. from ALS, uh, and saw, saw this decline. And, um, he, yeah. he was lived in California and so I didn't get to timing wise, didn't get to go to his memorial, but it was very much a life celebration, which I love those style of memorials. And I got yeah. to see a, it was, it was video recorded and, and got to see it. Uh, it was several hours long, but I watched the whole thing. It was just very meaningful. And, he touched so many people in such positive ways like he did with me. And, and it's, you know, it's always great to celebrate people's lives. Yeah. 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 Well, uh, the last main question that we ask is, Mm -hmm. you know, you've been through kind of the first half of the interview with talking about, you know, conquering fears and coasters and the, um, the positive impact that parks and coasters have on your life and so forth. And, um, you know, we didn't necessarily get too much into this with you, which is fine, but, you know, for a lot of people, you know, theme park therapy is a very real thing. And yeah. uh, going to the parks, riding coasters can help keep, you know, depression at bay, anxiety, uh, you know, can uh, help bipolar disorder, all, you know, autism. It gets kind of normalized uh, for a lot of people. I've seen that, you know, with, with parks and so forth. So, mm-hmm. and other things. But, um, you know, with the mission in mind, and David talked about the mission before we started recording, do you have any advice that you'd like to share? Just any, any nugget of wisdom? Um, I think for me, uh, from the perspective of working for weekend, it's just, don't be afraid to put yourself out there. Like you said, IAPA is not really a job fair, but I knew I wanted to work in the industry and I knew there would be a lot of industry people at IAPA. So, so I, uh, took the risk and printed out some resumes and flew out to Orlando and, and went to IAPA. And it turned out to be a, a very positive experience for me that, that, kicked off my career and rekindled my interest in working in the amusement industry after, you know, five years of studying engineering um, and do what makes you happy. Um, I, I was struggling in school. Engineering school is difficult as you're aware. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know if I could do this forever, but, but then I uh, went out to IAPA and talked to all these companies and I'm like, you know, I could, I, I could do this, you know, I could work in the amusement industry and I, I think I'd really enjoy myself um, working in engineering for, for a ride manufacturer or for some other company in the industry. 
Um, so, you know, do what makes you happy. Uh, I'm not, I'm not like a super, super ambitious person. Um, especially after engineering school <laughs> and, <laughs> and knowing how difficult it can be to, to, to pull off some things in this world. But, but, you know, I ended up where I am now. Uh, I really enjoy my job and, uh, I think I, I really am proud of the work that I'm doing. I'm excited for, for these products that I've designed to get built, uh, built a couple slides that are, that are, are designed a couple slides that are going to get built later this year. And, uh, like I said, designed part of the mammoth coaster and I've written out countless proposals to other customers. And, and one of these days I'm going to, you know, be the ground up designer for, for one of these rides, uh, oh, yeah. and just do what makes you happy, I guess would be my advice. That's awesome. That's great advice. And and with regard to IAPA, like I said, I've been going for the past several years now. I don't go there as a manufacturer. I don't go there to buy products. Um, and because of that, I am very respectful when I'm there because yeah. I know that real business is happening. So I, I, I don't interrupt people. I might try to minimize the amount of time that I spend with the manufacturers. But what I do at IAPA, you know, you know, and I enjoy it. Of course, I have to not enjoy IAPA, given what it is. But I'm yeah. mainly there, um, and I, at the best few the past couple of years, I'm mainly there to network uh, for the podcast. And in yeah. fact, you and I are talking today because of going of me going to IAPA this past year in 2022. Um, yeah. uh, each year, I, I get to talk to different manufacturers, reconnect, uh, especially with ones or say hi to ones. Like I said, said hi to Jay Kilkup. You know, I don't see because we know each other now and I interviewed him last year, but but especially to score interviews and, and make connections. And um, I I, I, I want to say her name is Jessica. Yeah, Jessica. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she's the one I talked to. She gave me her card and, and then she connected me with you. Uh, yep. So, you know, and uh, we've already done another interview. Uh, I mentioned earlier the one with Mar uh, that uh, came from my Apple last year. And there's there's going to be more on the way as well, it looks like. But uh, yeah, so. I can relate to going to IAPA, like you said, kind of, mm-hmm. you know, you know, being, um, uh, you know, not being shy, you know, yeah. being like, hey, you know, I'm going to go being a go getter, I guess is the way to put it. So I'm glad mm-hmm. to see you're a go getter. And that's how I am to, you know, not getting a job per se, but, you know, similarly trying to, you know, trying to connect and get interviews. So, um, yeah. and it's really improved the, variety of guests we've had on the show um by doing that because it's tough to connect yeah. to manufacturers otherwise so yeah and you know, yep. glad we got to connect and have this great great conversation yeah so, no, i'm glad we got to connect as well yeah yeah for sure for sure so uh you know in, in conclusion uh where can people find you know whether it be yourself personally if you'd like to share or certainly weekends you know website social media uh, how can people kind of stay up on on, on weekends and so forth for yeah, for Weekend, uh, our website is probably going to be the most up to date in general. Um, WeekendSportsUSA.com. That's that's the website for our U.S. office. Um, it's got contact information if you needed to reach out to us. We've got a YouTube channel, Weekend Sports GmbH. Uh, Instagram at Weekend Sports. Uh, our office assistant Victoria updates that fairly regularly and with pictures from rides that open or just cool pictures customers send us of the rides that they're operating. Uh, we've got a Facebook page, Weekend Sports USA. Um, as for me personally, uh, the one I'll plug on this podcast is my coaster Instagram, as I'm calling it, uh, inverted JW, my initials being JW at the end of that. Uh, you can follow that account. I, I post my coaster adventures on there when I 
get out to travel to parks or go to events with coaster clubs or, or those kinds of things. So you can find right, me there. Right. I'll be sure to follow that one. Thank you for sharing. Uh, yeah. Well, well, Jacob, thanks again for taking the time here and I'm recording on a Friday afternoon. So, you know, and, and uh, well, of course you're, you're in uh, mountain time. So you're not, I, I cause it's about 7 PM where I'm recording here, but you know, oh, yeah. so you're just, <laughs> just about hitting 5 PM there, but get, yep. letting you go here for the end of the, the workday, so to speak. So thank you for joining and taking the time to speak yeah. with us. Really appreciate it. Of course. Absolutely. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. If you want to see more of us, we upload every Friday. Be sure to like us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube, all at Coaster Challenge. Links are in the description below. Thanks for joining us here today.